better then, and I'm glad to be here today. Uh, although, you know, we this COVID's got us kind of spread thin everywhere, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, we're here, right? And there's a few outside, and we're here to worship the Lord, amen? And uh, so that's what we want to do. I'd like for us to turn to Psalm 10. Uh, Psalm 10. Psalms, a wonderful book. Amen. Uh, I spend a lot of time there in the Psalms. Uh, it's always been one of my favorite books. And I said, in the Psalms, you know, we can uh, we can live there, we can thrive there, and uh, <clears throat> in the Psalm, we face every danger. There was a lot of danger in the Psalms. And we can face every danger. He can hide us in the shadow of his wings. Amen. Uh, we can feel every emotion. And you see every emotion under the sun in the Psalms from deep sorrow to overwhelming joy. And uh, another thing, we can find refuge in God in the Psalms. The Lord, God is my refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Amen. But uh, the Psalms is a great book, and uh, I want us to look uh, this morning to Psalm 10. We begin in verse 1 of Psalm 10. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I'm not sure what you have, <clears throat> but I'm sure we won't be too far off here. Psalm 10, 1, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In pride, the wicked hotly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked in his haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his adversaries, he snorts at them. He says to himself, I will not be moved. Throughout all generations, I will not be in adversity. His mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. He sits in the lurking places of the village. In the hiding places, he kills the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in the hiding place as a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch the afflicted. He catches the afflicted when he draws them into his net. He crouches. He bows down. And the unfortunate fall by his mighty ones. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, you will not require it. You have seen it, for you have beheld the mischief and vexation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his hand. O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. 
to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that the man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. I want to read that last line again. So that the man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. This is a very relevant psalm. It really is. Terror is a reality in our world, is it not? Not only Islamic terrorism, which is uh, so prevalent, but there are many other instances we could think about. We think about uh, Hitler and his reign of terror, where an estimated 6 million Jews were killed. Not to mention the torture and experiments performed on victims by wicked men. I recently watched The Hiding Place again, the story of Corey Tim Boone and her sister Betsy and their family. They opened their home to whoever came, and they hid many Jews from the Nazis. Their family was arrested and carried into concentration camps, and they experienced inhuman treatment and lived in horrifying circumstances because of evil men. I think about also the Rwanda genocide back in 1994. It's another example of the useless killing of people, of innocent people, where an estimated 500,000 to 800,000 people were killed. Many were hacked to death with machetes. Imagine that. Thousands of women were raped. And you know, although it's not called terrorism, child trafficking is a place where evil men cause terror and ruin lives. Men of the earth who strike terror or cause terror. Men of the earth. In other words, godless men. Godless people. People who don't have God in their thoughts at all. But they are selfish. Full of pride. Doing wickedness. And God is not a part of their lives. I think of the helpless victim with no recourse, no one to help, no rescue. <clears throat> the evil perpetrator is like a lion in his thicket, lurking to ambush the helpless victim. That's evil to its core, isn't it? And they say, there's no God. There's no one I'm accountable to. I'm my own man. I'll do what I want to do, and I don't care who likes it. This terror can happen in so many ways. And although we think of terrorism sometimes as way off, far out there somewhere, happens to other people and all of that, terror can happen in so many ways, and it can happen very close to us sometimes. It can be evil men. It can also be supposed Christians doing evil things. You know, this, uh, this evil people can terrorize your life in so many ways. I think of those who have been betrayed and ripped off in business deals. You may have been there. You may have heard of people that that happened to. What a, what a terrible betrayal. I think of those who have been mistreated, passed over at work, and maybe someone caused them to lose their job. And that's a, that's a terrible feeling. I think of those who've been cheated on by their spouse and maybe went through a horrifying divorce. 
I think of Brian and Sandy. It's not their real names. It's a true story. Uh, Brian and Sandy had a wonderful marriage. Uh, they had several kids, a uh, wonderful family. They were in church. Uh, they served the Lord together, uh, done things together. Uh, just a wonderful family. Brian was a deacon in the church, and uh, they just served the Lord together and had a wonderful life. I mean, you know, a wonderful life. They really did. And, uh, but Brian began to be attracted to this woman that was much younger than him. And the next thing you know, he's having an affair with her. And uh, as time goes by, it ends in divorce. The family finds out. And, uh, Brian wants to stop, but he feels like he can't. He feels hooked. He feels trapped by his own sin. And so it ends in divorce. Now, although Sandy, Sandy gets the house, uh, but here she is working a little job trying to make ends meet all alone. Because of her convictions, right or wrong, although she's the innocent party in this divorce, she feels like that she should not marry again. So she spends the rest of her life alone. I mean, except for her family. She has a wonderful family, her kids and their kids and all that, and, you know, they spend time together and all that. That's wonderful, but as far as a marriage partner, she is alone, and she stays alone, basically for the rest of her life. I think of Brian, he, he felt trapped, but there he goes, and he can't stop, so he marries the woman he had an affair with, well, it didn't last, and of course later, Brian feels regret, of course, for the things that he did, and of course the marriage doesn't last either. And so Brian ends up alone as well. And so it turns out really bad for the both of them. I mean, they have a life, and they have, a, you know, a pretty good life, but uh, they could have had a much better life. And uh, they allowed the enemy to destroy uh, their life. Certainly, Sandy was a victim. And Brian was a perpetrator. But as time went by, Brian became a victim of, as well. Really of his own sin, he became a victim. And it's a sad thing, it really is. I think of the many women who were molested when they were young girls, many times by family members. And they felt that there was nothing they could do. Nobody to tell. And maybe they didn't want to tell anybody. And so they hold this terror inside, okay, sometimes for the rest of their life. And it affects them for the rest of their life. Well, here they are, you know, a victim, victimized, no one to help, no one to tell, no one they want to tell. And so there they are. 
I think of men also who were molested when they were young. Same thing. They didn't know, they didn't know what to do. They were victimized by predators. No recourse, no one to help, no one to tell. And a lot of times they don't want to tell because of the shame. And the perpetrator waiting for his next victim to fulfill his lust and power. I think of scammers who lie and deceive people to get their money. I think of abusers who may use their fist or weapon, but also like verse 7, they use his or her mouth. Her mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. There are many victims of harsh verbal abuse that demeans them, shames them, and hurts them deeply. And a lot of people are in that situation. I think of disabled people or seniors who are abused and neglected and terrorized because they can be. I think of helpless children who are abused and neglected, many times parents abusing and even killing their children, um, like a recent report I heard. <clears throat> I think of the alcoholic and the drug addict who abandons their family in the sense that they don't care for them and support them, leaving them to fend for themselves and trying to hold things together. I think of John and Brittany. Well, it's not their true names either, but it's a true story. John, eight to ten years, he struggled with drugs. Get a job, lose a job. Get a job, lose a job because of drugs. And his family is just left there to fend for themselves, to try to hold things together, to try to make it. Here, Brittany working her little job, don't even make enough to pay the bills and just struggle and struggle and struggle while the perpetrator, the drug addict, is stuck in his sin. It's a sad situation. It really is. I think of those in the military who have experienced the unspeakable horrors of war and terrorism. And there are those who continually scheme and wait in hiding for some poor victim to come along. Years ago, I remember a man who was much older than me then, but he was always scheming. His mind was always scheming about ways that he could rip people off and get money and, and that kind of thing. He, he finally figured out a way to do some insurance scams and and he, not only that, but he, he got in cahoots with the man who sold insurance, and they together uh, got into insurance scams, and they were ripping off the company that the man worked for. It was crazy. But he was always scheming and finding a way to rip somebody off. Predators are what they are. And the predators of these things are evil and wicked. They are full of pride and arrogance and do not have God in their thoughts. They feel like they're untouchable. That's what they feel like. But the, but the sad thing in all of this is the victims. The victims. Where is God? Where is God? When people experience these things, they wonder, where is God? Why did this happen to me? 
Why do you feel so far away, God? Why do you hide yourself from me when in time of trouble? Why, why, why? You have been abused, used, and victimized, and you wonder, where is God? It brings up the age-old question, if God is good, why does all this evil happen to us? Well, one answer is found throughout Scripture, by the way. We are fallen people who live in a fallen world where evil is present, and evil men do evil things. Amen? Why doesn't God intervene? Well, he does sometimes, but not all the time. This life is not all there is to this life. God's world is eternal. We are living in a small speck of time in eternity. There is a promise of heaven and of God wiping away every tear and of taking away all pain and making all wrong right. Amen? God is near. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you can feel the pain of a victim who has been just victimized and left without any recourse. But it's a horrible place to be. But we can know that God is there. He is near. He is near to the brokenhearted and he saved those crushed in spirit. The ministry of Jesus also shows us how God feels about people that are victimized and suffering. In Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Bind up the brokenhearted, to literally to put the broken heart back together. Amen? That's what God does for us. And that's what Jesus came to do. And that's what he does. <clears throat> it's really a beautiful thing about the psalm. The psalm, the psalmist tells God exactly how he feels and exactly what's going on in his life. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to do, to be able to tell God. God already knows what we're going through. Amen, he does. But yet it's wonderful to be able to tell God about what we're experiencing and what we're going through. It's wonderful to tell God about it. We can unload it on God. We can give it to God. And you know, think about God himself. Jesus, who came as a man, he, was, he, was, he lived among us, he was betrayed, he was abused, he was persecuted, he was murdered. And whatever we go through, we can know that God has already been there. Amen? God has already been there. God has already experienced it through Jesus our Savior. Paul says in Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You know, there is heaven. We look forward to heaven. What do we do when we are betrayed and violated, abused, and persecuted? <clears throat> we move toward God. We, we take it to the Lord who hears and understands. We take our victimization to the Lord who hears and understands what we're going through. We move toward God. As hard as it may be, we move toward God. 
we go to him, we call on him, we give it to God. Look in verses 12 through 15 in our text, if you still have your Bibles open, where he says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. When the children of Israel were in Egypt, God told Moses, The cry of the sons of Israel have come to me. In other words, God hears. God knows. God hears. God feels what we're going through. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? Let me tell you, God will call them to account. He will call them to account. Sooner or later, God will call everyone to account. And the people who are perpetrating evil, who think they are going to get away with it, will not get away with it. God will call them to account sooner or later. Look in Psalm 11, if you will, if you still have your Bibles open, verses 4 through 7 of Psalms 11. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. That's just letting everybody know who's in control. Amen? He said, his his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. Verse 5, the Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain snares, fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. The Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. God will call them to account. And uh, he talks about fire and brimstone. And that's not the only time that fire and brimstone was given by God. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah and all all the uh, cities of the valley uh, where God rained fire and brimstone upon them. And when he comes again, he'll do the same thing. He will rain fire and brimstone on those who, who are the enemies of God. Verse 14, "But, but you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. God does see everything. He sees everything. Amen? God sees everything. No one is getting away with sin. I've said that many, many times. No one is getting away with sin. I'm glad Hitler and people like him will receive their just reward. But I'm not to be vindictive. He says, to you the helpless commits himself. We that are victimized, need to commit ourselves to the Lord. Amen? You have been the helper of the fatherless or the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. And like I said, God will punish the evildoer. Something to note here, although you don't see it in the text, but elsewhere in scripture, we need to evaluate our own heart. When we are wrong, when we are victimized, when we are terrorized, we need to examine our own heart as well and look at our own life. We are sinners too. Amen? We are sinners too. And we don't want to become vengeful or bitter. We don't want to be there. We don't want to go there. We need to give it to God. Look in Romans twelve seventeen, if you will. <clears throat> Romans twelve seventeen. <clears throat> 
Romans 12, 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And here, here is the clicker right here. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Amen. You know, I think of the, uh, we, we talked about earlier, we talked about uh, uh, Corey Tim Boone. You know, if you know the story, and you, most of you probably do, she suffered, he, her and her sister Betsy. Betsy died in the concentration camp in Ravensbrook. Her father died after only being a, in a concentration camp for a short time. But in 1947, after the war and uh, after the Nazis had been defeated and all of that, uh, in 1947, she came from her native Holland to Germany, you know, where the Nazis were from, with a message that God forgives and to help them heal after the war. And so as she was speaking of forgiveness, she gave them her favorite analogy, and that was that that when you come to God for forgiveness and confess your sins, he cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And that's true. Amen. He does. And, uh, but after, after she had finished speaking, people were getting up to leave. She saw him. As people were leaving, he was working his way against the crowd coming toward her. He had been a guard in the concentration camp where he and her and Betsy were in Ravensbrook. She had flashbacks of a huge room, shoes and dresses in a pile in the middle of the room, and she and Betsy stood there naked and had to walk by him, by this man in shame. She remembered the horrifying treatment that she received there in Ravensbrook. Now, there he was in front of her with his hand out, waiting for her to take his hand. Can you imagine? He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook. I was a guard there, but since that time I've become a Christian and God has forgiven me of the cruel things I did. But I would like to hear it from your lips. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now there she was, had just finished speaking on love and forgiveness. And there that terrorizer was in front of her. Corey said in her, and she said to herself, even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive. Jesus, I cannot forgive. Give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it is not in our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with a command, the love itself. Amen. And so she was able to stick out her hand and shake his hand and forgive the man that had done such cruel, cruel things to her and her sister. Uh, just 
it just shows uh, the beauty of forgiveness uh, that we must have as Christians. And we can't be vengeful. We can't become bitter. Let's put things in perspective. Verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his hand. Does the evil person who causes terror think that he's getting away with it? He's not getting away with it. The Lord is king forever and ever. He drove out evil nations when Israel came to the promised land. And those who cause terror in the lives of others will not get away with it forever. Listen, God will deal with them through the cross or through his wrath. The same way he will deal with everyone. Through the cross or through his wrath, he will deal with them. Verses 17 and 18, O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear and vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that the man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. God hears when we pray and call out to him. He will strengthen our hearts and he will give us courage that we need. We can't live in fear. Fear is slavery. We can't live in fear. We need to let the Lord strengthen our hearts and help us to find the courage to face evil like Corey Tim Boone did. God will vindicate the terrorized and the oppressed. King David wanted to rid his kingdom of such evildoers and promote justice. We should desire the same for our homes, for our cities, for our state, for our country, and for our world. We should support the government that punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Second Peter, I mean, uh, 1 Peter 2.14. We should support the protection of the weak, afflicted, and the fatherless. We should do what we can to make sure those who perpetrate evil don't succeed. Listen, the victimized and the oppressed should become our ministry. Our ministry. We can help and support a family that has been torn apart by betrayal, divorce, drug addiction. These people are left many times with nothing to fend for themselves. And so many times, instead of helping, we look down on them and blame them. Look, many of these people find themselves in dire straits, broke, busted, injured, with nowhere to turn. They need help. They need help. Again, the prophecy of Isaiah, the prophecy of Jesus, that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. That's for us as well. His ministry is our ministry. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.12, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. <clears throat> Romans 15.1, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Who are those without strength? Those that have been victimized and terrorized with nowhere to turn. No one to help. That needs to be our ministry. So what about what about the victim today? You know, we 
If we've been a victim of something like that, we need to take heed to what is said in this passage today. We need to take it to God. God hears. God will help us. God will vindicate us. Sooner or later, he will vindicate us. And we need to take it to the Lord. What about those who have been victimized? We can help them. As a church, as Christians, we can help them. And we need to do so. We need to do that. What about the perpetrator? The person who has perpetrated this thing, this evil. Well, they need to repent. They need to confess their sin and repent of their sin and turn to God for help, for mercy, for grace. Amen? That's what they need to do. And you know, I hope that none of us have ever found ourselves in the place of a perpetrator, to perpetrate evil on someone else. If so, we need to confess and repent of that sin and turn away from it and never to return. God is the healer of hearts. He will help us. He will help those who have been victimized, those that have been hurt, those who have been bruised and damaged. He will help those. We can take all of our problems, all of, our, all of all the things that we experience, we can take them to God and know that he is there to help and that he will vindicate us. You may be here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I invite you to do that today. Jesus died for you and for me. He died in our place so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. Will you give your life to him today? And will you bring all the things in your life to God? You know, there's nothing better when we're experiencing trouble in our lives than to be able to... to to come to God and take everything to him and pour our heart out to God. I've done it many times. I'm going to tell you, I've done it many times. I've been through a few things, and I've done it many times. And God hears, God listens, God comforts, God heals, and he will. I don't know what your situation is today, but if God has spoken to your heart in some way, I pray that you'll respond to him today. I'm going to ask Gerald, if, Gerald, if you're doing the piano, if you would come and uh, just play. And I'm going to ask everybody, if they will, to stand and bow their heads and just think about the Lord. Think about what we've talked about today. And just um, allow God to speak to your heart where you live.